Benifer is back. Brad and Jen are friends again. And Paris Hilton is somehow still making headlines. 20 years later, we're living in the world that the 2000s tabloids created. On this series, I'm going to tell you the story of a decade of American life through the trash we love to consume. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Claire Malone, and this is Just Like Us, the tabloids that changed America. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. What's poppin'? Logan Murdoch here, Roger Bell there. Shams in a minute. Roger, um, I I just feel like this is going to become a segment of you just... We're just going to make this a segment of you just defending people who outright foul other people and just no. flagrantly foul other people and just take their side when it's a flagrant foul. I, I just want to set the scene up. This happened five days <sighs> ago. Um, John Morant was going in for a dunk and Marcus Morris, clearly a flagrant foul, um, goes in and takes uh, John Morant, who is obviously Roger's fave. If you've been listening to the show, it's Roger's fave. So for him to do a heel turn and just, and just blatantly take... Marcus, uh, was it Mark? Take a Morris twin side over this. Is is this really egregious? But go ahead, state your case. It's not Whatever. egregious. It's not egregious at all, and it's got nothing to do with whether I like John Morant, and I'm a, a big fan of John Morant, and it's got nothing to do with the reputation of the Morris twins. I get it. I, I factor all of that in, and what it boils down to for me is, you know, the essence of of the game, which is I can't allow you to just come in here and do this. You're in a precarious situation launching yourself off of one leg. I'm more stable. I go up. Yeah, you hit. I'm not saying it's not a flagrant. I don't believe that to be a flagrant two ejection, though, just because of the way he fell. He he predisposed himself to falling like that when he launched himself off of the one leg with that type of force. Like, if you don't allow people to defend the rim when these dudes are coming in doing that, you get what I saw in a youth basketball tournament in seventh grade, which is a score of 90 to 82 in a in a in a game that that is that is so short you should never be able to score those points. No one's playing any goddamn defense. This is really what it comes down to, bro. You just you're just really upset with youth basketball right now, and that was the conduit to get no, you to, to, no, no, to no, sustain no, 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 your real no. frustration. No, that the, I I had this opinion last week. I appreciate that, but I was frustrated this weekend watching the youth basketball. But it, the, the essence of it is this, Logan: 
when I see someone coming down the lane and I want to challenge them and they've left the floor on one foot and they are they are ascending to the rim, if I catch him even cleanly on the ball and he decides to try to power through that, guess where he's going? Where's he going, Roger? He's going right to the floor. His legs and their momentum will continue to carry forward. The ball has now been stopped by my hand. His hand is stopped behind the ball, thus creating him to lay horizontally on his back and flatly fall on the floor. It's not a fucking flagrant two. <laughs> why, why, why can't you just contest the... Why can't you contest? Why can't you just contest like, or, well, you do, but like, if you miss the ball in any, he's coming really fast. Right. And so yeah. it's a really hard thing to do to judge exactly where that ball is going to be. Plus it's that guy's job not to give you the ball to block. Right. So if you go up with an arm or a body in front of him to try to stop and you miss that ball and make contact with him anywhere on that forearm or anything like that, he is falling in a very ugly way. It cannot be a flagrant two. Okay. One, We'll get to some. We'll get to the shits in a second. But I do want to. I just have a question. There is one option that could just you know make sure everybody make sure uh, Morris Twin stays in the game. Make sure John Morant is not on the floor. Just let him have that. Can he just let him have that dunk in that? No. One? What the fuck Why are you not? talking about? Why can't let he him, have that? Let him have, just you, have you. You are the problem, sir. <laughs> let bro, him have it bro it is a it is a regular season morris, game bro you think the morris twins exist as nba players if they've ever it in is their 90 life to said, 68 my guy it is 90 to 68 with 422 left in the third quarter raja bro you ain't strapped you up no, you ain't strapped up no shoes in a while my guy like there you don't let them we mean let them have it and let them just have okay all right no okay all right i'm At, just saying Logan, you know no disrespect okay. If, I if never I played, look, and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not a real one when it comes to hoop. I'm just asking, on, just it's, let it's, them it's, have no. it. That's why. That's that's what I try to overcome at the high school level. That mentality, which is ah, this one's not real important because that's infectious. And if you subscribe mm. to that, then the next one's not that important. And now we got a snowball effect. And now what is important? And you just can't approach it like that, man. Like you're, you look, my job is to not let you score this shit. I take my job very seriously, bro. When I have kids, you need to coach them because I, I clearly, like right now, I'm putting them on your basketball team. <laughs> I'm I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I can be much for kids, Logan. Just, you gotta, you gotta coach the little homies, bro. I'm just I saying. I can be a lot. <laughs> clearly, clearly. <laughs> Don't allow easy layups. Do not no, allow I, dunks. But Coach Ra, we're eight. There's not really any dunks. Go. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> hey, fuck him up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Raja, last week, we didn't get your real opinion on this. Yeah. Last week, um, we did a two-parter on uh, Trade Deadline Thursday. Uh, you, Me and you took on the uh, the morning festivities when we just talked about just the trades that were happening throughout the week. And about 20 minutes after me and you got off, James Harden gets traded to the mm. Sixers. I have not gotten your thoughts on this. What are, what is your overall thoughts? He gets traded for Ben Simmons. Overall thoughts of the whole trade. I'm just I'm giving you the floor on this one because I know you got a lot of thoughts that you have not gotten off about this. Let me just give it the floor. You know, um, initially, I am really interested. I can't wait to get Shams on to ask if there's like what went wrong in Brooklyn for James Harden because I started to see reports that like James you know wanted to be traded like he was. He was kind of disgruntled, like it was it wasn't working out. Like I'm curious as to what went terribly wrong. Like we've had our opinions on, you know, Kyrie being in and out of the lineup and different things, like the instability there. Like what, you know, I don't know what was it that that ultimately got him, you know, kind of 
out of sorts there in Brooklyn. Um, I ultimately, though, think Logan, and you might be surprised, but I think it's a win-win of a trade. I think it, I think it, it, it I think it's a win-win. I think it works. I think it, I do. I think it works with with for both sides. I think let's talk on Brooklyn's side first. You get a player um, who I've always maintained is really, really good. Can guard five positions. People can throw shade at his performance in the playoffs all they want, but he is a a rim to rim rebound assist finisher. Doesn't need the ball in his hands. Um, there's a lot of space in Brooklyn, so he doesn't have to worry about like like Joel Embiid kind of being in the way. And then you can kind of just let him go, let him run, let him initiate, let him get up and down the court and get the ball to all these shooters. I think, and and you become better defensively. I think it's a big win for for Brooklyn. I always thought that the three miles to feed was a lot. I thought it could work in a perfect world, but it was going to be a lot. So now you don't now you don't have one, and you get a guy who can initiate and defend if he's in the right headspace. Plus, Seth Curry um, just adds to your ability to kind of space the floor and shoot the ball. I'm pretty skeptical about this, Roger, on both ends. I'm pretty. It, skeptical. It's okay. I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you go. But let me just. I, I, if you're if you're if you're the Sixers and you were looking like Brooklyn, you were gonna lose. You know, James. James wanted to be in Philly. Joel Embiid's never really played with a guy that's as talented offensively as James Harden. Like, I, I think that they're going to be a, a really good fit together. And I think the Sixers have positioned themselves to make a real run at it right now in the Eastern Conference. I do believe it to be a win-win. Okay, so I'm skeptical about it on two fronts. I'm skeptical about it for both teams. Let's start okay. with the Sixers. The reason why I'm skeptical about it with the Sixers is because we know this about James Harden. We, we do know that he is a guy that if it doesn't go right, we literally just saw it. If it doesn't go right, he's shutting down. He's shutting it down. If there's, and especially, and we've also seen him with a, another alpha personality. We saw this last time with Chris Paul. How it just, it, it, it didn't end well. That did not end well. And then you put him in a locker room with Joel Embiid in a city like Philadelphia, Roger. As you, a city you know well. If James is on the shit he was in Brooklyn. He's going to get it from that fan base, and he's going to get it from Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid is not going to pull any punches. And Th- those are valid points. I don't. I don't know. We have a few months, and James could be on his best behavior because he wants to. Also, he's he got to be. He's, he's got to be. be right. He's he has to be, be diving for loose balls. He has to be, be with it. He got to be with the shits. Right. Yeah. He's got no choice. Based on the most recent evidence, I just don't know. If he He's gets, got no choice now. That's one more stop. Like you are hundred percent right. Except what you're leaving out is he just did it. To, mm-hmm. It's his second. He cannot do that again. He does that again, and he he becomes uh, unmovable. And he doesn't no, get paid. He, and he doesn't he get does, paid. No, yeah, that's right. He does that again, and you'll have NBA teams being like, "No, I can't touch that. Can't do it." Okay, that's fair. But that's my concern in Philly. My concern in Brooklyn is. Man, great. Also, great talent, great fit. Love that. Mm-hmm. What's the best ability, Raja? Availability, bro. That man's going to avail- be playing. You heard no, what no, Charles no, Barkley no. said. Oh, you heard what Charles Barkley said. <laughs> he said about James Harden. He said that boy, that boy be playing next week, man. His injury's healed when he was when no, he was no, messing no, no, with no, Kevin I'm talking about I'm talking about the Brooklyn Nets. I'm talking about the Brooklyn Nets. I'm talking. Well, oh, I'm you're talking about, Kyrie? I'm about, I'm talking about Kyrie. Kyrie. I'm talking Kyrie. Sorry, Kyrie. Ben. Sorry. Ben, no, Ben. Ben's gonna play. Ben's right. Gonna play. Ben's there. He's gonna be playing. But you put him in a situation where he has to deal with the ins and outs of if Kyrie's gonna be in the lineup, right? 
I don't know where to go with this, but I don't, I don't know if this, that's going to, you got to deal with that. Plus Brooklyn. And you don't know if, I just think it's, I think the biggest thing is Kyrie in this whole thing. I, I don't see it. Every time he asked, he went on a Twitter thing the other day. I don't know if you saw that. They just asked him if he was going to take the vaccine. He double, tripled, quadrupled down that he wasn't going to take it. And it's my guy. It's not going to happen, right? He's going to do the Kyrie thing for the rest of the season. You know this. You've been around. I don't know how that jives well with Ben Simmons or the overall team. They've lost 11 in a row. I don't see. You see just, what they're rolling out there, bro? Bro, it's it's so it's heartbreaking. They're you see what they're rolling out there. They're come on, man. Like I mean, they're you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose a lot of games rolling out. No disrespect to any of the young players that are playing, but they're you're gonna lose. No, you're gonna lose, right? And especially when they play all the, they have a they have a real big home stretch coming. I would be I would <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't jive well, right? With and then you don't know Kevin's coming back from a knee injury. I think he's going to be fine for the rest of the season. I think he's going to be good because he's had this injury before and play like Kevin Durant. He usually comes back from injuries really really good. I just don't I think this can combust in a way that's just historic, Raj. I just don't I don't know. I'm just very skeptical. Wow, look at you being the pessimist. I think you're going to get the best version of Ben Simmons. You got a motivated um you know player to come, like ready to come back and prove, you know that that he can and is able. Um I think you're dropping him in with with a coaching staff that understands his talents and how to use them. Um I do understand the whole Kyrie thing. That's a mess. I should probably I, I maybe I should put more stock in 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 how hard it's going to be to develop the chemistry they'll need down the stretch. But I think it's going to work out. I think Kevin Durant is going to fit well. I think your defensive versatility becomes like just even more incredible. Um, I think it's going to work. All right. I don't think it's going to. I think it's just. I don't think it's going to work. And I want it to work. I hope it works. You know, both. I still you know, can't I believe Kyrie's going to be like. You know. Bro, you know how you got to be to be to 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 triple down on that and, and be like, nah, like uh, I, if if I'm the reason we don't win a championship, so be it. Not moving but no, off of my stance. No, it's the other side of it when he says like, yo, man, I like hope because he. I don't know if you like see what he says on his during I don't, his presser. I don't. But they're on, hilarious, bro. right? Because he'll say, no, I'm not. He's like, yo, man, we got to get some good continuity. You know, we got to start playing well. As we get to start coming together and kumbaya, and then like. But the, the biggest way for you to do that is be in the building. And the biggest way for you to get in the building is to get vaccinated. And he's like, well, no, uh, you know, that like, anything except for that. But I'm a, you know, I'm a team player. I could do all that. But anything <laughs> but the biggest thing for me to be a team player is like, no, I'm not going to do it. And, you know, I, and it's just. I, just, I hear you, I bro. I don't know. I don't think that I, that's why I don't think it's going to work. I think we're seeing the whole other side of this. Right. I don't think we're seeing. You're, I, I, I'm very surprised by you being the optimist, Raja. I, I could tell. Know. I could tell being, you were setting me up. You thought I was going to go like bananas or uh, like on the devil's on advocate. The negatives Ra, of this like I don't know, man. I don't know about devil's advocate, Rob, right here. Now I really I do I, think this is going to be a good trade for both teams. I, I in my gut, it's the way I feel. I think again, Ben Simmons has been sitting around just waiting to get out of Philly. I, I think he's got more to prove than anybody, you know, that's been that's been moved. This year, I think he comes back. He's motivated to play. Now that Kyrie stuff again—that's a—that's a poop show. 
Um, and and that could, you know, ultimately a pretty big poop show that has broken up teams, Roger. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's that's fair. It's fair. But as far as Ben Simmons goes, I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be good, and I think he's gonna be good for what Brooklyn wants to do. All right. And now, our guest of the day, Shams. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Right, we got a um, got a special guest in the building, dog. It's pretty, yes, it's pretty cool. A little post trade deadline popping guest out here. You know what I'm saying? One of the homies. We got Shams in the building. Shams, how you doing, big dog? Guys, what's up, man? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Chilling, man. Chilling. You already know. Hey, I'm I'm coming out the box. Shams, okay. what was the what was the first the first tweet that that got 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 the the whole persona that is you now rolling. Like what was the first scoop that broke? And they were like, Oh <laughs> shit, he's plugged in, man. We got to follow that. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I mean, for me, it started a lot with like G league and like 10 days and Euro league signings. So for me, those were when I feel like I arrived, but when I think people probably started to notice me with some level of credibility was probably 2014, January, uh, Luol Deng got traded from the Bulls, to the Cavs, for Andrew Bynum and some draft picks. I remember when I put that out, first of all, I, I had to be 100% right about something like that. If I was going to, you know, put, put any type of information out at that point or at any point, even now in my career, like I, the biggest thing for me is being 100% accurate. So as soon as I got that out there, it's like, Oh, like I, I'm, I'm first on this, but I'm right on this. And then that's when for me, people started, I think, take notice. And I think, you know, it, it started to help me build. And more than anything at that point, I mean, 2014, I was 20 years old. It was just helping me feel vindicated and validated with what I was doing. Because the time I was driving to Milwaukee, driving to Indiana uh, for games, I wasn't able to uh, be credentialed for games in Chicago. So I was going to Milwaukee and Indiana. So when I was going, like, I didn't, like, I'm I'm making these drives. I'm, I'm going to these games. I'm driving back at 2, 3 in the morning at times with a final exam the next day. And I, I didn't know what I was doing was the right, like, I was asking myself a lot of times, like, what am I doing? Like, I should be, you know, partying or I should be studying for exams. But I, I, I knew the path that I wanted to be on. I knew what I wanted to do. And so more than anything, when I put that tweet out, I think it was more validation for me in terms of being on the right path than anything else. That's what's up. Yeah, you got to respect the grind, bro. You got to respect it. <laughs> that's, uh, uh, I mean, that, that, that's literally all it is, man. Just Isn't that like the funnest time, no, Shams? Like when you, when you, when, when, when you're, when you're driving, you don't know necessarily what to do, man. You don't know what you're about to do, but then like that, that was always the funnest part for me, man. Like when you, it's not now necessarily, not as fun as now, but it was a great time. I, I miss those times, man. It was fun. Yeah. It's like, it's like you're, you you have a, uh, what's the right word? Naivety. Like you have a way of yourself where you just, you kind of don't know what you're doing. I saw, I, it's crazy. You know, I say this now, but I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing. You know, like I still feel like I'm grinding and trying to like um, still trying to learn things. I mean, uh, I'm at a point now where I feel like people just see the end result. But, but you know, only I know and people that have known me for, for an amount of time understand what it was like in, you know, in 2012 and 2013, 2014, when I was first starting to really break into this. So 
I know we got shit to talk about that's relevant to what happened, but now I'm kind of fascinated by, by, by the journey, right? Like it kind of parallels like a, a, a young Hooper who doesn't get drafted right in early in his career. And he's on that same kind of grind you're talking about, right? Like driving from CBA city to CBA city or USBL, like it's the same grind, right? Not sure whether that's just going to pop or you should take a regular job or, but you love to do it. And so I'm doing it. I'm interested in like, the process of of you like not being credentialed, but driving down to these cities and like, how do you start to develop the connects? Like when you get to the arena, like who are you talking to? Where are you? Where you're starting to put together like your network of people that allows you to ultimately, you know, be as tapped in as you are. Yeah. So, I mean, I knew I wanted to write. You know, like I, I had a passion for writing. I loved playing too. I just couldn't, you know, I, I just wasn't at that level where I could play in the league. So once I knew and I got cut playing basketball as a high, in high school, I'm like, I got to figure out my next next path. And so for me, it was always writing in the behind the scenes of, of players and trades and signing. So I started writing in, in high school, junior year um, of high school. And then from there, it, it was literally a lot of just analysis pieces, analysis stories and um I started just cold calling, cold texting, whether it was agents, league executives and players. And that's literally all it was. I was just cold calling people at that point. I don't even know why people responded to me right. <laughs> uh, at, at that point. But the, but the amount of people that did, I saw some connect, you know, connections to this day with people that I first cold called or cold texted when I was you know, 18, 19 years old, literally during the headlights. So that's really how it first started in terms of building connections. But you know, like Logue knows and, and you know for sure, Raja, like, the only way that you can really um, get a feel for people is when you do things in person. So for mm. me, going to Summer League in 2013, going to the G League Showcase, going all, to all these different events uh, over the course of the year, c- going and covering games, that for me was the big moment where I could finally put a face to people and and them to understand where I'm coming from, what kind of person I am. And so when I first covered my first Summer League in 2013, I would literally just be walking up to people they definitely didn't know who I was and I didn't really know who they were as, as people. I obviously knew them by name. So it was deer in the headlights, man. And so I think it just continued to build and build and build. And obviously people see the end result, but it was just a lot of cold calls, cold intros, cold, intro, uh, cold, you know, DMs at times. Like it was, <laughs> it, it was just at that point, just shooting a shot. And I wasn't really, uh, I, I didn't really have a conscience with what I was doing. Now I feel like I think more in terms of like, I, I want to be more calculating, right. In terms of how I move. But back then I really had no sense of anything. So I was just, I was just shooting for everything. That's what's you up, gotta bro. shoot them shots, Logan, real ones, shoot them oh, shots. Mamas. Oh, mamas. <laughs> All right, let's get to the, um, let's get to the trade deadline. I do want to go over some, some things. Let's go. Let's start with the Brooklyn and the Sixers with, uh, J- uh, James Hard and, and Ben Simmons. You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I was hearing some things like in the fall about, you know, this potentially happening, at least James going, you know, to uh, Philly. And I know you've heard some of the same things, but in your eyes, Shams, when did this deal come together and why did it have to come together right now as opposed to in the offseason when, um, you know, maybe a sign and trade or something like that could happen? Why did this trade need to happen right now for both teams? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think when you look at and it from the Philadelphia perspective, they they were really trying to be patient with the process, right? When you look at how how Daryl Morey and that front office was thinking, they were willing to wait for the summertime. They knew the guy that they wanted. Everyone knew who they wanted. They wanted James Harden. I remember I did I did some reporting on it a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks before I did the report on Friday when I said that the Nets are now open to discussions. So I think that broke the dam. But a couple of weeks prior, I, me and Sam Amick, a colleague of mine, we did a story about how Philadelphia was literally going to wait for the offseason 
to make a move on Ben Simmons, which was going to be a kind of a dull moment for, for trade deadline where like we've been anticipating this Ben Simmons trade and then it just gets prolonged till the summer. So we were all kind of in that same mode where we were waiting for the off season for that shoe to drop. But over the, over the next two weeks and obviously that week of, of, of the week before the trade deadline is really when you know, James Harden started to sit games and we saw what happened in Sacramento when he had four points. Um, then he started sitting a couple games with the, you know, what he said, you know, what the team said was a hamstring injury. I think there, there, there was definitely reason for people in that locker room to doubt whether he had a real hamstring injury for sure. That was a topic of conversation. Um, but that was when it really became real uh, as far as being a real possibility it was la- was a week before the trade deadline where when Brooklyn understood that if we have a guy in James Harden, who's checked out the whole locker room knows it from Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving on down, we need to find a way to address it. And so they could have either continued to go about it the way they went about it and played out the year probably would have been a toxic second half of the season. Like Raja, you probably know, like when you have a guy that that of that magnitude in your locker room, that, is clearly checked out. He has a game in Sacramento where, you know, I think it's fair to say where people were within that locker room, within those confines were wondering, did he just quit on us? And then he sits multiple games for a hamstring injury when, you know, there was no sign of a hamstring injury. There was a sign of, a, of that hand injury, but there was no hamstring. So I, I think it, it would have just led to a very toxic second half of the season. So that's why the trade needed to happen for Brooklyn and for Philadelphia it needed to happen because they were trying to find a way off Ben Simmons for, a, a period of time, right? He was all, all almost moved for Ben uh, for James Harden a year prior when in January, Tillman Fertitta went to James Harden and said, listen, we'll move you to Brooklyn or Philly. And James Harden chose Brooklyn. Um, but a year later, the deal happens and the deal happens in a way where both sides, I think it was inevitable th- that this was, was, was what was going to happen. It's only a matter of, was it going to happen now or in the off season? So Shams, like when someone, when you got, when you have someone that, the team is wondering whether or not the injury is real. And we've gotten to that point. And it happens more often than people want to believe in the NBA. But let's we've gotten to that point as as James Harden, someone who who would have rather gone to Brooklyn than Philly in the first place. What were there any indications as to what turned him off to the situation there in Brooklyn? Like, why, how do you get to that point relatively quickly like that if you're James Harden? I think the biggest thing was just the inconsistency, right? I think he wanted to go to Brooklyn and he thought him, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, they join a super team. And anytime you make a decision to join a team like that, you know, he, he, he might've thought that winning was going to come a little easier than it did. And when he went there and he saw the circumstances, Kyrie Irving in and out of the lineup this year, obviously they, they banished him from the team essentially to begin the year because he wasn't following the COVID-19 mandates in New York city. Then he ends up coming back. And that was a lot of, you know, Kevin Durant, it's, it's, there's no question from Kevin Durant on down in that locker room, they had a change of stance in terms of how they felt. They wanted him back in that lineup. So when Kyrie Irving came back, I think just the inconsistency of the lineup, the Kevin Durant then being hurt, you know, I always think about if Kevin Durant was healthy for this period of time, uh, for the last month or so, didn't have that MCL sprain. Would things have been differently? Like, like, could, could this have gone differently? Could, could they have, found a way to to handle this James Harden situation? Could James Harden not even have been upset to the point of wanting to leave? I think that's a fair thing to always ask. And I think there was always going to be this what if that hovers around this team. But to me, the biggest thing would be the inconsistency within the lineup and also style of play. You know, I did some reporting on it a couple weeks ago and 
James Harden has a very, uh, I think he, he is an, he's an acquired taste when it comes as a player, right? He's a guy that wants to have the ball in his hands a lot. He, he loves to play his brain of basketball from his Houston Rockets days. And that's just not something that Kevin Durant and that organization, Kyrie Irving, Steve Nash, that's just not the style of play that they want. So it was, it was interesting. I'd have people tell me that the coaching staff literally would have to change their game plan when he's on the floor versus when he's off the floor. When he's on the floor, obviously the ball's in his hands a lot. When he's off the floor, it's totally different. It's free-flowing. Um, and there was a period of time when Kevin Durant led this team with a bunch of role players. And I think even Kevin Durant and that whole organization saw, you know, when we're playing free-flowing, the game is funner. It's it's a better environment. And I, I think at the end of the day, both sides kind of understood that that's where we want to be, is James Harden wants to have the ball. And and there's a brand of basketball that Steve Nash, Kevin Durant want to play that it obviously is not that. Well, you answered, you answered that follow-up I was going to have, Logan, about about inconsistency versus role change. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and role change maybe because of the inconsistency. And and I like to separate the two because you can have beefs with the inconsistency within an organization and the way players are kind of in and out and how the things are being run. But, you know, it's completely something different when you're just not really, if if you don't love the way your role has changed and you don't want to play like that. And, and he answered that question. And I will just double down because I know you want to talk. People take for granted when, when people are so good with that ball, how difficult it is to play with them sometimes. Um, all they see is that person giving you the ball to get your jump shot off. And they're like, well, he's got 11 or 12 assists like he's doing. And and you as as someone on the team is like, yeah, but I haven't touched that shit in three or four minutes. So like, yeah. <laughs> it's really difficult to just, you know, and so in their brilliance with the ball, sometimes, you know, what gets lost is it can be really hard to play like that if you're someone else around them. Yeah, for sure. How, you, you spoke, uh, Shams, you said something, um, brought up Kevin, and he's the one that's kind of in the middle of all this, right, where um, he he's the reason why James is there, was there. Um, he's the kind of guy that keeps this thing all together. Where does he stand in all of this? How does he feel? Because at a point in time, you know, James was his homie. James was, they, they were, they played in OKC. They, you know, um, and, you know, he brings him back. How does Kevin feel about, James dipping the way he did when they had a goal in mind to win a title together. Yeah, I think the biggest the biggest thing I think Kevin Durant, not only Kevin Durant, but also Kyrie Irving and that whole locker room, I think this year there's been such an importance on just winning, right? And trying to win a championship. And I know that's what Kevin Durant's got his mind on this entire season. He feels like this is a championship year for them. And they were on that trek. And I think before he, before he got injured, and I always ask, like, what if he didn't get hurt? What if he was able to be in the lineup? He probably would have kept this thing together. And James Harden's frustrations might not have boiled over to the point where he ended up, uh, you know, basically finding a way out of that organization. Maybe that doesn't happen if you're winning games. And, you know, Raja brought up the point about role. There's no question. Like, that's definitely something that played a part in this because there's two totally different methodologies. And as much as Steve Nash... Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden met to try to figure out some kind of a consensus. They just couldn't get on the same page when it mattered most. When there was turmoil, when there was adversity, that's when you need all those characteristics to come through the most. And so I always wonder if, if this team was winning games, if they weren't just, you know, they're on an 11 game losing streak right now as we're taping this. Like, let's say they were, they had won seven of the last 11 or eight, nine of the last 11. Maybe James Harden is still on the team because you, 
if you're James Harden, you probably don't even try to find a way out if you're winning games, right? Because you you're can. able to get through it. You can't. You, you when, can. you're, when you're you winning yeah. games, you're like, if you're if, if you're discontent and you're winning games, you're a real asshole if you if you act <laughs> like one. But when yeah. things go bad, it gives you the platform to to go ahead and do what you want to do. Well, well, building on that route, um, I do want to talk. I want to bring make sure I I. I Let's talk about the whole totality in this. And this is something that me and you talk about often on this podcast is the element of Kyrie, right? What, what is, how does that work when you're bringing Ben Simmons into the fold into a new team and you want to have continuity? Me and Raja always talk about you need consistency within a roster. How does, how does Brooklyn try to find that when there's, all, there's the element of the vaccine with Kyrie where he is going to be in and out of the lineup, whether he's healthy or not? Until something, until if or until something changes, how does Steve Nash or how are the Brooklyn Nets trying to navigate that situation? Well, first is like getting these guys on the floor, right? So I think I think yeah. Seth Curry, Drummond will get on the floor here sooner, and then Ben Simmons. The hope is that him and Kevin Durant come back and line up after the All Star break at some point. So just getting them back on the floor and building some some habits, and then really just after that is praying and hoping that the mandate in New York City drops because. If if that mandate doesn't drop and, and get lifted in New York City, I mean, it, this team is going to have to deal with struggles, I think, for the second half of the year because you need Kyrie Irving in your lineup. That that guy is so important to, to that team and winning games. And that's I, I think that's what Kevin Durant and that entire organization and, and the players and the roster understood is when they went through that first half, first stretch of games without Kyrie Irving and they lost against the Warriors. They lost against the Phoenix Suns. They understood they're not really on those teams level without Kyrie Irving in the lineup. And when they brought him back, he gave them a level of, of uh, I think security gave them a level of comp- confidence that they didn't have without him. And so, you know, even going back to your previous question on Kevin Durant, I think it's, it's just having guys that are committed and that are really all in this organization. And obviously James Harden was not, and now you're bringing in guys Ben Simmons, I've, I've been told he's very excited. He has been working out. He is ready. And mentally, he wasn't ready to play in Philadelphia. Now, I think you're going to see a shift. I think he'll be ready to go. I think he'll be ready to play. But how quick and how how good he'll be right off the bat, that'll be an interesting question. But I, I, he should play that Draymond Green role at bare minimum, right? When you talk about a guy that can guard one to five, that can ball handle, can distribute, can rebound, can block shots. Um, but it's just about getting these guys on the floor and then hoping and praying that the mandate gets lifted. I mean, Philly, we're talking about James Harden. He has, he's opting into a, a player option, to my understanding. And how, what does that mean for an extension in Philly? What does his long-term future in Philly look like? So he was going to opt into that player option. I, I reported he opted in. And yeah, he yeah, actually, that, yeah. the, the, the paperwork was filed, but they did not meet the buzzer for the opt-in. So James uh. Harden... So I guess that's breaking news on this. I think, I think people have covered it since then. Um, but... He, he still has the option to opt in in the summer. There was a, okay. a time period where he could have opted in before the trade in conjunction with the trade. He ended up, they ended up not filing the paperwork in time. So a little bit of a procedural, uh, you know, s- situation where that didn't happen because of, uh, of paperwork, but he will have the option to opt in and then extend in the offseason. So he can get up to five years, 275 in extension, you know, or does, does the organization go the route of trying to persuade him over the next, you know, three, four, five months and, and see if he can opt out and then sign a deal like Chris Paul signed, right? Chris Paul opted out from 44 million ish and then signed four years, 120. So he ended up getting more over the course of, of, of that time period, but obviously 30 million over the course of the four year deal. 
while uh, while James Harden would get over uh, about fifty million per year on that new extension. So we'll see what happens. I think that the opt in, obviously that that situation will play itself out. I still think the intent is to opt in this offseason for James Harden, uh, but this team will have a period of time. But this is where he's wanted to be, right? Over the last few weeks, it's been apparent Philadelphia is going to be, uh, you know, probably a good shot to be his long term home. Logan, I want to go back to you asking about Brooklyn and what they do. Um, what what you do to to help with the continuity there if Kyrie is in and out, while I agree completely that they need him to be that upper echelon beating like championship level teams, you you tell Kyrie to just be a closer. Like just finish, please. Don't don't have the ball in your hand a ton. Like let Ben Simmons push that thing, get it off the board, let him play that Draymond kind of role. And then it's easier to drop a, 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 a mercenary type of player, a cat that's just going to come in and finish plays back into a lineup sometimes than it yeah. is to drop like an orchestrator of your offense, a guy that's going to have the ball all the time. So I think that's the way you approach it, at least from an X's and O's and a philosophical standpoint. Like, look, Kyrie, we know you're going to be in and out. This is going to be sporadic. Just don't dominate the ball. Let us run. Let us get out. When you get it, cook. But like, yep. let's let's let everybody else run and continue to do what they do. And then we just kind of drop your offense back in, you know, when you're available. Yeah. Well, I, I do want to uh, talk about some other things around the league. Um, you know, we saw one of the the less it wasn't as big a trade as the Brooklyn trade, but Porzingis going to Washington. And, you know, I don't necessarily want to talk about the Porzingis, how he's going to fit in. But more so, of like, what does that mean for a Bradley Bill who is, um, you know, you know, is going to be approaching free agency and you know Washington's at the stage where they want to you know show Bill that hey you're this is a viable place for you to stay long term we want you to finish your career here what does that what did that move do for um, Bradley wanting to stay or maybe having eyes elsewhere I think it's a good indication that the Wizards feel like Bradley Beal will be there long term, that he's going to sign that Supermax uh, you know, contract in the offseason, five years, around $250 million. I, I think that that is an indication that they feel like they can pair Chris Porzingis and Bradley Beal together and try to make a run in the Eastern Conference. Now, whether KP is the guy for Brad Beal and the guy that should be put around Brad Beal, I mean, only time can tell. I think he's dealt with a lot of knee issues and, and foot issues over the years. We'll see if he stays healthy and on the floor. Um, I know when you look at Dallas getting off him, I think that was the major surprise of the deadline, right? When you look at um, for them to trade Chris Porzingis after billing him as a star next to Luka Doncic, as a co-star next to Luka Doncic, and just flipping him away for a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie, who, um, you know, like he he's he had a tough start to the to the year, and there's no question that there was turmoil in Washington. Davis Bertans is a as a as a boatload of money owed to him over the next several years, so. I think that that trade was a surprise because no one thought that Chris Porzingis was going to get moved for so little, right? When you think about uh, the value that people perceive a guy on a max contract should get. So Toronto Raptors, they definitely considered a possible trade for Chris Porzingis. That didn't pan out, obviously. And so the Mavericks were really, really motivated to get, to get a, a deal done for KP. Now, is that a good sign for the future in, in Washington? I'm not sure. Um, but I, I, do, I do believe that the Wizards and that organization – uh, feel very confident in the future for Brad Beal there. What about the other side of that, Luca? You know, you, you trade away Porzingis, and then you get you know Spencer Dinwiddie, and you get Bertans, who who is not necessarily on the same level, like a skill wise as Porzingis is. 
what does that mean long term for the Dallas Mavericks and what what Luca would want? I know he's gonna he's gonna be there for the foreseeable future, but like you know, his team it's on paper it looks like they've regressed as a roster. I, I think I think it 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 makes it clear that they still need a co-star there with him. Yeah. So that's for sure going to be a priority long-term. But I think bigger than anything, this allowed them to clear the books. And they wanted to make sure that they were able to have a clean slate, not have that max contract, that second max contract with Luka Doncic hanging over that organization. And Spencer Dinwiddie's got two years left on his deal. The third year is 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 uh, has a partial. And Davis Bertans has a few more years left too. But the hope is get a, get another max contract off your books and be able to go be aggressive when you want to go pursue another max player. I think that's obviously the the mindset of the Mavericks right now. I I want to I want to switch gears, Logan. I know it might not have been on your rundown, but we talk about the Lakers all the time on this bad boy. Um, and obviously they weren't able to pull anything off around the deadline. But I want to know if you have any indication of was it was it a close like were they close to pulling anything off? Um, you know, where is their mind? Because to me, it just looks like they're in a really bad place as a funky locker room. Um, so I'm just curious. I mean, I don't know. Like, what 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 was the indication around them around the deadline or where they may go next, even this offseason? Yeah, I think they were active in, in terms of they had a couple of players that they targeted. One was Cam Reddish and Alec, and another one was Alec Burks from the Knicks. So they tried to make a deal, a three-team deal. They would have ended up with Alec Burks and Cam Reddish. They would have sent a second-round pick to New York, Taylor Horn Tucker to Toronto. Toronto would have sent uh, Drogic to the Knicks, maybe even Cam Burks somewhere. Uh, but overall, uh, Nerlens Noel was going to end up in Toronto. There were a couple of hiccups on the Knicks and Toronto Raptors end that ended up making it so that there, there was no deal. The deal, the, the Lakers were motivated to get that deal done, and they were even willing to put in another second round pick if that's what it took to get a deal done. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But after that, they discussed another framework where Taylor Horn Tucker would have ended up in Toronto for a potential first round pick, but that deal didn't end up happening either. So they made a couple. They made a couple attempts on the edges, but anytime there was anything big that that, that came up, every team wanted their 2027 first-round draft pick. And when you talk about trading a pick that far out, I don't think it would have been a wise move for the Lakers because that's a pick where you don't know what, what it ends up being. It could be a lottery pick. It could end up being an asset that you need down the line in a couple years when you might have a better team suitable to make a run. This team, I think... You know, I think that as, as much as the Lakers, you know, put stock into this year in terms of wanting to win a championship this year, they went out and made that Russell Westbrook trade. I think they've understood as the year's gone on that this team, if we're going to be judicious, be smart about how we approach these next few years and the future of this organization, we can't make short term moves for this team because I, I don't I don't think this team has the championship makings. Uh, I think we can all kind of agree on that. So uh, I think if you know that and you understand that you want to make sure you make judicious moves in the, in the long term. That's really interesting to me, man, because that's typically very hard to do with the LeBron window open type of team. Like it's usually in like contradiction uh, to what he's trying to get done. So that's an, that's just interesting to me. Right. Like because Logan, we talk about it all the time. Like it's a very hard thing to balance. I think it's the right approach. But when you got LeBron sitting there in a window, it's not that easy to say, hey, we're going to be judicious and we want to protect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're usually giving up shit to make that that, that a possibility. Yeah. 100%. And, and, and I think when you look at Laker fans and how I think the uproar was when they didn't make a deal at the deadline, I think it's tough to appeal to a, a, an audience like that. But I think... I think teams around the league, other executives, I think even they look at the Lakers and say that they were they made smart moves by n- really not making any moves because their best move was really letting this team and let let this year run its course, 
let let the contracts start, continue to come off the books and then make decisions come up uh, coming up this summer when you have only one year left on Russell Westbrook's deal. When you have guys that might be entering uh, even even further down in their in their in their contracts, so making no moves was probably the smart move for the Lakers this year. The um, Lakers were in San Francisco recently, and Russ had a good game. But there does seem like to be a weird vibe around that team with Russ. Um, what happened with him during the deadline? Was there ever any moves um, to get him maybe on the table for him to be traded? And why did the ultimately, if there were any moves, that Russ is still in the Lakers roster? And what does that mean? That's a lot of questions, Shams. But what does that mean for Russ's future uh, in Los Angeles? Yeah, the, I mean, the, the Rockets were one of the teams that initiated conversations with the Lakers, something around John Wall. Um, you know, there were a couple of different scenarios that came up. John Wall and Christian Wood for, you know, Russell Westbrook in a first-round pick or John Wall for Russell Westbrook and maybe a draft swap or picks from the Lakers going to the Rockets. But, you know, when you look at it from the Lakers' perspective, like that deal doesn't make much sense, right? When you look at a guy in John Wall, um, you know, he, he he does that make you a better team right now? I mean, if John Wall's healthy and he's looking good, maybe marginally, but that's not a move that you make and, and giving up, giving up future draft capital to make your team marginally better. That's just not a move that I think made sense for the Lakers. And obviously they ended up not giving that scenario much thought. I think that was something that obviously the Rockets came with, but it, it, it never made sense in the totality of things. And other than that, they, 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 they had nothing. I mean, there was, there was not, it's not like there was a flurry of calls for Russell Westbrook in terms of trying to see if there's a, if there's a trade viable. I mean, it's, it's hard to look at his game and say, he's, 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 it's obvious he's on another point in his career right now, but um, I think more than anything, that contract makes it even more tougher, right? If this is a Definitely. guy that's making the minimum or a guy that's making $5 million, you're probably not looking at him in the light that I think, obviously, fans and people are. I want to move up to, uh, up to the Pacific Northwest a little bit and talk about Portland because we had a, a healthy conversation, Shams, regarding um, you know Dame. We've said for a long time, at least in my opinion, I thought Dame needed to, you know, explore other opportunities, right? And so Logan was was talking about that. And then they moved CJ. And I played devil's advocate and I was asking, well, what if what if the CJ is the Blazers finally realizing that this, this core isn't it? We're going to liquidate and position ourselves to really build around him. So my question to you is, what are they thinking up there? Like what's the game plan now to to for 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 the for the Trailblazers? Because this can't be a rebuild. Like Dave's not signing up for a rebuild, right? So I got to imagine they're looking to be real players real soon in, in something. Yeah, I, I think definitely that that tr- those two trades were probably were definitely a a um, you know a sign that they understood that that core. When you look at uh, Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum, that wasn't going to be the core that was going to be moving forward. I think they explored deals for CJ last offseason. Obviously, nothing came about that at that point. Neil O'Shea, their 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 GM at that point thought was was worthy and then you know the the new interim gm joe cronin he was able to look at the landscape again and obviously made that deal in new orleans where you get josh hart who um you know is 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 an energetic player can bring some some toughness as well as getting draft assets and then you clear norm powell who signed that massive five-year 90 million dollar deal uh you clear that off your books and get a second round pick so i think those deals were definitely a a lot helping allow them to clear some flexibility for the future but there's no doubt that this summer there's a level of pressure on Portland to make sure that that this team is competitive and not rebuilding or retooling. Because if it is rebuilding, retooling, Damian Lillard will look at that situation and have to look at his other options. And 
That's why the onus will continue to be on Portland and that organization to find ways to contend. And I would expect them to try to find a way back into the Jeremy Grant sweepstakes. Jeremy Grant stayed in Detroit through the deadline. And I do believe there's going to be another window possibly right before the draft. Uh, you know, Detroit's going to have to make a decision. Do we extend Jeremy Grant or do we trade him? And if it's another, uh, you know, time where they're going to be open to trade talks, Portland's going to be definitely very involved there. So, We'll see what moves they end up making, but if, if Portland doesn't find a way to, um, you know, retool the team in a winning manner and make this team a, a more competitive organization, uh, Damian Lillard will have no choice, I'm told, but to continue to look at his other options. Well, there it is, man. Thanks so much, Shams. Thanks for coming on, man. You can read him at theathletic.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man. I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Man, so much fun chopping it up with Shams. But before we get on here, did you see the Bridgerton? Did you see the Bridgerton? Bridgerton boys. Bridgerton boys back. Okay. Bridgerton. <laughs> Little- I don't know though. The Duke's not. I don't. I don't know, bro. I. I'm gonna just gonna be honest. Uh, I really enjoyed. You know, Sasha Mack. Take the camera on really quickly. I, I just because Sasha Mack had some takes. We have to get Sasha Mack on here to to really. She has some big takes about this. Um, what it? I feel <laughs> like. Me. Jomi, Jomi's here too. It's time for Bridgerton talk. It's time. Jomi, Jomi's Jomi is joining too. Um, right. Before we get to your point, I want to get to Sasha Mag real quick because Sasha had some takes about what is wrong, including the fact that someone is may or may not be a hottie. So, Sasha, what is your beef with this 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 new season of Bridgerton, and do you think they can overcome the level of hotness? <laughs> My main problem is that I don't think this the brother can hold up a season. The older brother. Mm. He's not, he can't carry. He, he can't, can't carry. carry it. I don't think that he has, like, I just don't have the interest level. I found him, like, really annoying last season. Um, and just, yeah. like, hard headed and making poor decisions. The first two, the whole, like, dual part of that season was so dumb. And that was completely his fault. And he couldn't get over his, his shit. And I just, I just find him like so annoying. <laughs> she was like, don't do it. And he was like, I have to do this. I'm going to die for this. And it's like, you don't. Maybe you should. <laughs> you no. know what I mean? Maybe you should. Yeah. So, 
no, no. Joe, my question to you is really quickly, and I want to get Raj's take on this well, but I want to ask you this first. Yeah. Is Lady, what is going to be the level of messiness that comes from Lady Whistledown? <laughs> Considering her identity has been... <laughs> it's has not, been is it? It's revealed to us. We know it's who it is. Yeah. The we fact know. that it's revealed, will the messiness get to a higher level or will it, will it go to a, like, what are, what are we, what is the messiness meter? Well, I think it's going to be like at a, I think it's going to be an eight out of 10, right? And here's my thing. Okay. Because the, the audience, we know who she is, right? And so you hope that the show plays into that and you know what, she's writing her notes or whatever. And people are like, oh, I'm going to go see spoiler alert. And then she got to like cover it up or something, you know, a little, she got to be on a little sneaky sneak. You know, because we know who she is. Ultimately, though, I think as a whole, the show's going to be a little interesting because the streets have been saying that Kate's played by Simone Ashley and Anthony, the book readers say it's like a enemies to lovers type trope. Oh. And I'm going to be I'm going to be here. For, I'm here for that. I love that stuff. That's one of my favorite tropes in all of books and all of and all of uh, television. So I, I don't know. It's not our boy. Right, it's not mm-hmm. the Duke, you know, but it, it it has the potential to be. I don't see as interesting because I don't know if Anthony has that charisma, <laughs> you know, clearly. But you know, it's going to be interesting to say the least. There's going to be some you know? sexual tension problems. Oh, I mean, it's Bridgerton. <laughs> come on now. Like this was the show that, like, I would be watching this while folding laundry, and Austin would come in and he'd be like, "This whole show is just." Is it just a one giant sex scene? And I was like, no, I promise. There's other stuff. But like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, kind of though. Yeah. Uh, the, no, yeah. Let me just, let me just put this out there. I was yeah. here for Duke and Daphne. All right. Like yeah. that was my, I, I like, that's what I was there yeah. for. I was there for yeah. That. Yeah. Ultimately, what I am going to do is trust in Shonda. Mm. That's what I'm going to do. I trust the process. I'm going to put my faith in that shit. And I think she's going to deliver. She's never let me down. So that's where I'm riding. Trust the Bridgerton process. So without Simon there, we all know Simon put a 45 a game, 45 an episode, brought down 17 rebounds, gave us 10 assists. Every single episode, he did it. He did his job every single time. Okay. He burns. For this for, for this series, right, Raja? How big of a void is that going to be? And can the, can the show overcome it? Like, how is it going to be? You know, who, who's going to pick up the slack? Look, when you lose a player like that, I don't think you replace him with another player, right? You you lose someone like that, everyone's got to step up and play a bigger role. Everyone's got to chip in, right? So, like, every character's got to bite off a little bit more to fill that void. You, I'm, I'm telling you, you had. I don't think I'm in the minority when I say I was here for the Duke and Daphne. Like you guys all nodded when I said that. So yeah. thinking that you're going to slide the older brother and 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 to Sasha's point, expect him to carry it. I'm with Sasha. I don't know that he's got the chops for that. I just need everyone. And this is why I say I trust the process with Shonda. I trust Shonda, mm-hmm. right, to create a storyline that just gives you more from each character to supplement for us missing the Duke. I don't think you replaced the Duke, dog. Okay, all right. A little rapid fire before we get out of here. Uh, I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna ask who is gonna be the MVP of this season. My MVP. I got Lady Whistledown going for forty a night. Okay, I got Lady Whistledown going. 
Sasha Mack, who is your MVP for this season? Who's going to be the one that we that we go and we're like, oh, okay, they won that season. Who you got? Okay, so I have um, Jomi. What's her name? The new person from Sex. Simone Ashley. Okay, I have Simone Ashley as my like top. I think she's going to be an awesome addition. She's so good in sex education. I just like her. New little new blood. It's good. It's good for the show to get some new people in there and like you know you you losing some of the old storylines. Let's get some new people. I'm excited about that. And then also again, I don't know her name. It's been so long since I watched the show. Who was the lady? I don't. I might just have to show you a picture. Yeah, the Dukes, the Dukes like, um, yeah, like yeah, yeah. kind of like oh, sponsor type you of lady. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Her. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I have no yeah, idea what her name is. That's my pick. <laughs> okay. I don't know her name either, but, but I, that's, I that's where I'm going. Her, I saw a shot of her looking mischievous in the in the uh, trailer, and I was like, okay. Because yeah. she yeah. was... like She's like watching a cotillion kind of <gasps> like... plotting <laughs> like, on what's she going on. She everything. Yeah. Does she know who Lady Whistledown is? I don't know. She's hella mischievous. I think that she she's got a big part to play. I would like she's a character who like played a kind of medium small part in the last season that I would like to see that turned up because she killed it. There we go. You got hey, there are more shots out there. Is that, is that your MVP? Up. Is that your MVP, Roger? That's your That's MVP. My MVP. I was going to say exactly what Sasha said, but in reverse order. I was going to go with her and then new chick because I don't know her name. But okay, okay. <laughs> I was going to go with MVP? I was going to go with Simone Ashley as well. But you know, hearing uh, what. Uh, Hearing what Sasha and Roger said, I'm gonna I'm gonna zag a little bit, right? Ooh. I'm gonna say it's gonna be Jonathan Bailey as Anthony, man. Oh. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust the Shonda Lamb process, like Roger well. said, right? They don't bring him up, you know, to be the star guy without any reason. That's Good fair. point. You understand? You know, it wasn't an accident. And they cast right? him before they cast him, and they knew that the second season was going to be about him when they cast him. Oh, exactly. Mm. You're on to something. Exactly. To something. You know, they traded away to, to star to make a bigger role for the homie. Uh, so you, this you know? is like, you're, what you're saying it's like Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers type stuff. Mm. Hey, pa- it might Alex be. Alex Smith, Pat Mahomes. <laughs> it mm. might be. Mm. I'm not there to say it yet. We'll come back to me halfway through, mm-hmm. you know, and we can revisit. But Phillip they don't Rivers, make that Drew move Brees, for no reason. Monte Ellis, Steph Curry, mm. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Yo, something man. like that. I'll tell you right now. March twenty fifth. Lock the fuck in. Bridgerton boys back, back wow. baby. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> that was been our Monday edition of Real Ones. We will see you next Thursday. But in the meantime, make sure you check out our slate on the Ringer NBA feed. That is Upside High. That is Fall the Void with Kevin O'Connor. That is group chat. That is the answer. You ready for this propaganda, Raja? Man, it's R2C2 with who? Raja Bell. Vallejo legend, the Crestside Clown, CC Sabathia. Let's keep it going, man. Season three on Z-Way. Black Girl Songbook with who? Raja Bell. My girl, town legend, Danielle Smith. Holla. See you guys Thursday. <laughs>